we said before, Happy New Year. We're glad you're here. For some of you, this Sunday represents a lot. You're like, I'm going to go to church twice as much this year than as I did last year. Well, it's a good start, and uh, we're glad you're here. And like Bob says, every week it's better if you're here. It's better for all of us. And so thank you for uh, doing that. Uh, I don't know, uh, we won't do a show of hands, but there are, you know, we, like in most of our society, we fall into two camps. Uh, there's a one camp that hates New Year's resolutions, mocks them. Uh, the fact that everyone's doing them, that's beneath, that just proves that they should not be done and all, all that kind of stuff. And I get that. I have a part of my personality that, 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 that I'm not kind of that way. That if everybody's doing something, I think there must be something wrong if everybody's doing it. So, so I, I have that part. But then there's the other part. Um, and and, and I, I kind of, with New Year's resolutions, fall somewhere in the middle where you love New Year's resolutions. Like your last year's New Year's resolution was to have more New Year's resolutions the next year to remind yourself. You've got them categorized. You've got like, these are my physical New Year's resolutions, my financial New Year's resolutions, my spiritual, relational, and whatever all else you have. You've just got it all in boxes and everything. And I totally get that. And we have New Year's resolutions for some of us that are very um, serious uh, maybe we're going to get out of a relationship this year or we're going to uh, make some life choices that, we've, that are going to be really hard for us. And others, we just have small New Year's resolutions that are just we want to get more organized or we want to stop yelling at our boss. Whichever, um, I was just thinking of our staff meetings. Um, but uh, but, but here, here's the thing that I want to talk about this morning. Um, statistically, or if you're like most of us, there's that one thing. In your life. Now some of you have conquered your one thing. Uh, And you can look back and you can look and say. I remember when I used to struggle with this. Right. And you are right now experiencing the life. That God is doing through that death. That you are now experiencing a freedom. You are now experiencing a certain level of intimacy. Maybe in your relationships. You are now experiencing a certain level of uh, just you feel closer to God. And others, you have been struggling with your one thing for a long time. And you kind of know what that is. But for most of us, there is something in our life that we know. Oftentimes we don't even have to pray about it. We know that God is calling us to change in this area. For some of us, it's uh, anxiety. For some of us, it's a habit. Um, But we know that something's going to have to change. Now listen, as we know, knowing that it has to change oftentimes (laughs) isn't really that helpful, okay? If you know you're struggling with a habit uh, and you know you're supposed to stop, you've already known you were supposed to stop and you haven't stopped, knowing it doesn't it doesn't, it doesn't help. There has to be something else that takes place for us to move forward from these things that hold us back. And that thing is death. <laughs> You're like, oh, happy, happy new year, right? He's talking about death. Uh, here's what I want to talk about this morning. The fact that life cannot happen unless something dies. I don't know what you had for breakfast this morning, um, but uh, even if you're a vegetarian, way to go, murderer, 
that broccoli, okay, had a life at one point. I mean, I don't know. I'm just giving you a hard time. But, 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 but like, that's the thing. As a matter of fact, this, this whole process of death and life and, and all this stuff, Disney calls it hakuta matata. I, I, I call it uh, designed by our Heavenly Father. But, but literally in 80 years, and I don't mean to depress you, but in 80 years, we're all going to be dead pretty much, except for maybe Ethan. Keep going, buddy. You got it. All right? <laughs> Like, 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 like we might all be dead in 80 years. And most of the planet statistically will be gone and it'll be all new people. Happy New Year with that little thing. But here's the amazing thing about our Heavenly Father. You know what he promises? Even though that in 80 years we'll all, all be gone, the life you live now actually has an impact on the life you leave. The legacy you leave. As a matter of fact, the Bible talks about this all the time from one generation impacting another generation. And even more so, the Bible gets even more specific and more crazy in its language. Where it says that the decisions you make now actually impact not just the next generation, but all of eternity. That there's something that happens in the kingdom of God as you begin to make these life changes and you begin to put to death the things that are holding you back. Sometimes the Bible calls it the things of the flesh. Sometimes the Bible calls it uh, e- evil or wh- whatever. Sometimes the Bible calls it sin. Um, we, you can call it all those things. You can call them roadblocks. You can call them hurdles. Whatever. 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 Okay. But it's, it's at that death part. When we put that to death. That God is able to spring up new life. You know what Jesus says about our lives? He says, he's come not only to give us life, but to give us life to the full. Uh, If you read older, New American Standard version, it says more abundantly. Matter of fact, that's in John chapter 10, verse 10. It says this, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that they may have life. And they may have it to the full. And this is not just dying and making it to heaven, although that's a part of it. And we praise God for that, that that he provided a way for us to spend eternity with him. But that eternal life can actually start today. That that life, that abundant life, that spirit-filled life, if you want to get, you know, in kind of Christian terms, you know, you'll hear sometimes Christians talk in terms like that. A spirit-filled life, an abundant life, a life empowered by God. That can happen today. But here's the thing. In all areas of our life, even if you're not a Christian, you don't even believe the Bible, you've seen this process of something has to die for there to be life. If you graduated from school, uh, high school or college, or you're going through a, a thing, I was just talking to uh, Kip Smith, who's a leader in our, in our youth group, um, and he's going through um, his training at work, and he's got to go through these classes, and those classes are a pain, and those classes mean you have to die to be able to watch television because you've got to study. Something has to be put to death. A part of his time has to be put to death. If you've ever um, changed um, careers, you know, we have firemen that are here, and the, the rigors you have to do to, to go through to become a fireman, you've got to sacrifice other parts of your life for that to come alive. The, the Bible talks about marriage in this way. Paul, Paul talks about this way. Basically, he takes men, and he takes women, and he says, here's the key to a healthy marriage. Uh, you both need to die. <laughs> 
And if you can die in here and you can die here, you're going to have an abundant, abundant marriage. You, you, you could see this in, in all sorts of areas. If you want to be fit and, and, and you know, that area of your life, you've got to die to the donuts we serve between services. You know, you're just going to, you know, that has to be sacrificed on the altar, you know, or whatever language you want to use. If you want to have thriving finances, you're going to have to die to whatever, uh, maybe eating out for a while. This is just a common principle. But it's so powerful as it relates to what God wants to do in our lives. And so God, what we're going to look at in, in, in just a bit, and then we're going to have an exercise that we're going to all do together, hopefully, is this idea of seeds. And we'll see the verse in a second, but Jesus basically says, unless a seed falls to the earth and dies... Um, it just remains a seed, and that's all it's going to be is whatever it is. But if, but if it's able to die, it can produce many seeds. It can bring life. So I have this little thing I did. Uh, it's, uh, the seed I'm using is a, um, is a sunflower seed, but you, know, you don't have to do that. But let's just call this particular sunflower seed anger, okay? Maybe this is your thing. Maybe for you, you're just an angry person, and, and things just get you riled up, and you're, you, you know you're an angry person because when you begin to speak, you can just watch people begin to tense up or leave the room or be like, oh boy, here it comes, or whatever. Or maybe you describe yourself as really passionate and straightforward, right? And everyone else is like, right, that's what it is, passionate and straightforward. So, so here's the thing, unless that seed, that anger seed falls to the earth and dies, unless that process, uh, if that process doesn't happen, then you will not experience the life of healthier relationships. It's going to block all your relationships, including your relationship with your heavenly father. And so that seed of anger, as it just kind of relates to, well, this is who I am, or if it's not addressed, and if it's not killed, it is going to have an impact on, on, on your life. Here's another seed, ego. And ego manifests itself in a whole bunch of different ways, right? I mean, there's the whole, you know, wearing a t-shirt that says, welcome to the gun show. Okay, there's that. But there's also the need to be right all the time. There's also, for, for me, where my ego gets in the way is I have a need to explain myself. And all that is is just ego. Well, unless that ego falls into the ground and dies, I don't get the life that just manifests itself and springs up in humility, and humility, it, it brings freedom. All, all, you'll notice all these things bring freedom. But that, that, the, the need to not have to explain myself or not have to be right or not have to be uh, in front or whatever, however you want to take uh, ego, the, the need not to have to do that is freedom. And so that humility, it manifests itself in that. Uh, for you, your seed may be a habit. There might be a way you medicate or, or try to isolate or whatever. There's a habit you have. And, and, and statistically, when I said that one thing, most of us in here, that, it fell under that category. There's something you do that you know you should not do, and you do it. And it's, you know it's causing death in your life. Well, unless that seed falls into the earth and dies, then out of your life cannot birth self-control. And so, and so, you know, this, this idea of being known as someone with humility and self-control and patience and all these, what we call fruit of the Spirit. 
You know why they're called fruit of the Spirit? Is they come out of growth, out of life. This is what the abundant life Jesus is talking about. Uh, Another seed is debt. For you, you've made some financial decisions, and you know maybe maybe for you, not even not, not even your own. Maybe you know it's just this is the thing. But this is the weight. This is the thing that just you feel just holds you down. You get bills in the mail, and it's just like and I, you know I know the feeling. Uh, you know, my wife and I have years ago we went through this same process. And, um, and, and are free from it, which is awesome. But I just remember getting the visa bill and having it be a certain amount and going, well, going out to dinner ain't going to hurt anything because it's already, you know, if it's $5,000, $5,000, $5,043, who really cares, right? And so you just kind of have this just weight of debt. And guess what? God wants you to be free from that. But that's going to mean death to maybe a lifestyle. Maybe death to your pride. Maybe you need to downsize. Maybe you need to get out of that lease and get into a clunker. I don't know. I don't know. But that's it. Unless that debt, uh, like a seed, falls into the earth and is killed and dies, you will not have freedom. The Bible says that if you're in debt, you're a slave to the person who's, who's, uh, who uh, you're indebted to. Another one is bitterness. Some of you have been wounded by someone, maybe even really close to you. Maybe really, really close to you. And maybe what they did was really, really bad. I totally get that. And, 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 and that might be it. And, uh, you know, for you, that it might be this thing. And, and, and it might be time for you to kill that. To stop telling those same stories about that person over and over and over again every time their name comes up. And to just go, you know what? I, I'm going to kill this bitterness. When you do kill that bitterness, and all of these things are a process, um, you will experience the freedom and the growth and the life of forgiveness. That all of a sudden, you're not having conversations with them when, by yourself in the shower going, and another thing, you think you're so awesome, I'm telling you, right, that all goes away. And you can actually shower. And not even, maybe hum a tune, okay? Like all that life comes up once bitterness is replaced by forgiveness. For others, your pill, your seed, might be the way you use your time. You look and you're just, you just waste a lot of time. Or maybe you have a hobby that no one can touch. And you know, people have spoken to you about it. Like, dude, you, know, can, you need to get, and you won't give up that hobby. Or, or you've got a thing that you do. And, and, and so mass amounts of time are wasted. And it's really all kind of for yourself, and you just kind of hoard that. Or maybe you're just, God has something for you to finish school or whatever, but you're, you're just being lazy with your time. Again, I'm not, I'm not trying to come after anybody, okay? I'm just saying that when we do this, and we have life and health in our lives, healthy sheep make a happy shepherd, and I'm, I'm not your shepherd. Jesus is your shepherd. I'm the sheepdog that nips at your heels and tells you, hey, don't go over there, go over there. And you kick at me and all that kind of stuff. I, I get that. But maybe your time, the way you spend your time, you're missing out on having a life of impact. You know, Rihanna was talking about the children's ministry and 
I mean, I cannot even believe we make it this easy on people. I mean, if I had to push back on Rihanna, I'd be like, make them commit for 10 years and, you know, half their income and all this kind of stuff. And she's like, you know, one week a month, you know. But, but here's the thing, just those little investments in other people, in this case, our, our, our youngest people, have a huge impact on their life moving forward. You can, you can bury a part of your time and kill a part of your time and maybe kill a hobby and maybe kill something else. And then you're now impacting somebody else's life. It's awesome. Jesus talks about this principle in ways that are very uh, uh, troubling. If you were listening to Jesus at this particular time in history when he said this, he talks about this in, in kind of uh, raw terms, okay? Now remember, what Jesus is after is an abundant life. Jesus is after a life of where you are free, okay? Free from these different things, free from bitterness, free from debt, free from, you know, you know all, all this kind of stuff. That you're living an abundant life, what we might call a spirit-filled life, or the, a lot of the fruit of the spirit is manifested in your life. So here's what Jesus says. He, he's talking to his disciples, and then he, in Matthew chapter uh, Eight or three, I don't have my glasses, uh, whatever it says back up there. Uh, he calls a crowd to him. So, so he's talking to his disciples, and, he, and he's about to get to something really important. And he goes, hey, hey, hey. He calls everybody in. So imagine you're sitting there in your seat, and uh, I'm having this conversation with somebody. And, and I go, you know, this, everybody needs to hear this. And so I call everybody. For, Come on, let's gather around. I want to say something important. That's what Jesus does. He called the crowd uh, to him along with his disciples. And he said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must. Now, at that point, they, they took out their iPads or their phones or whatever, and they're like, this is going to be good. Somebody better write this down. Are you, you know, and they're papyrus or whatever. They're chiseling out something in the stone. I don't know what they did back then, but, but this is kind of the big deal. If you want to be a disciple, now remember what Jesus is saying. A disciple is just a learner. Jesus becomes your rabbi. You become like Jesus. You live the abundant life. You live a life that isn't, is, doesn't get kicked around by your circumstances. If you want to do that, here's what you must do. They must deny themselves. Oh, you know, that's when you start scratching everything. Ah, I thought it was going to be something good, you know. Take up their cross, like what? And follow me. Now for us, you know, it, we talk in terms of everybody has a cross they must bear and all this kind of stuff. But to them, a cross was a cross. <laughs> like it was in the way you die under the hands of the Roman government. And so for them, it's like, man, this is, and this won't, you know, Jesus will kind of continue around this theme. That in order to live, something must die. And what I mean by die is I mean die. I don't mean we flirt with it. I don't mean we dabble around in it. I don't mean we kind of... Now, 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 death is a process. Okay, and so, so in some of our areas that we've, we've already... It's already kind of hit us a little bit. You're thinking, man, well, how can I... I mean, okay, go without debt. I owe $10,000. I, I can't just tomorrow go, go you know, whatever. But it's, it's this process, this idea of, I'm not, I'm, there's no return for me. I'm going after this thing. 
I'm going to kill this thing. Whether it's lust or uh, the habit or whatever it is, anger or judgmentalism or whatever it is in you that you see, I, I've got to get this handled. I've got to get this relationship restored or this a relationship broken apart. I've got to get it handled. It requires death. Let me show you what uh, Jesus, how Jesus kind of modeled this. Um, I'll give you some background of what's, what we're about to take a look at. Um, this is in, we'll be looking in the book of John. Um, Jesus has just raised Lazarus from the dead. Now, if there was one event that Jesus did that had the biggest impact on his ministry, this was it. As you can imagine, right? When you raise someone from the dead, kind of a big deal. All right, and, and I'm not just talking about Rihanna's CPR class either, either. This guy was dead, buried, like in the tomb, sealed up. Um, and, and, and Jesus' ministry at that time was coming like this because they wanted to, he knew they wanted to kill him. As a matter of fact, when they went back to go raise Lazarus from the dead, one of the disciples went, well, let's go back to Jerusalem and we can die with him. Like, it's done. And so Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And there's just this like U-turn of, of his ministry. Like people are, as you would and I would, they were freaking out. And the word spread fast about this. And so Jesus goes back to Mary and uh, Martha's house, who were Lazarus's sisters. And Martha uh, takes out, or Mary takes out this really expensive perfume and anoints Jesus with this perfume, like basically wasted on him. And now, now you're starting to see some turmoil. And Judas, who, if you know the story later, betrays Jesus, is like kind of, this for him is the last straw. He says, that, that could be given to the poor. He, the Bible tells us he didn't care about the poor. He was skimming off the top. Which is, when you hear someone say it's not about money, it's about money. Uh, and so, uh, so he goes through that. And, but it says the Jews from all over were coming to see Jesus because of Lazarus. As a matter of fact, the story's fantastic. You should look, look into it. Uh, as a matter of fact, G, um, Lazarus, it's so phenomenal what happens. Lazarus, they don't even mention his name anymore after that without giving him the last name who Jesus raised from the dead. So they go, oh, and Lazarus, who Jesus raised from the dead, was with them. And that's where they saw Lazarus, who Jesus raised from the dead. So, so like, if, I, if Jesus raised me from the dead, I would be John, who Jesus raised from the dead. And everyone would go, oh, yeah, that John. Because it's a big, big deal. This is where Jesus is in his ministry. Furthermore, the thing with Lazarus was that it was so important uh, that people came around. The Pharisees were thinking to themselves, maybe we should kill Lazarus. <laughs> Because that's kind of the key to his popularity right now. Now, can you imagine? They want to kill a guy because another guy raised him from the dead. Because it wasn't working out for them. I don't know about you, but that sounds wrong to me. Okay, uh, so all this is happening. And then finally, Jesus goes into um, Jerusalem. And they put him on a colt. Uh, and they, they um, put down all these palm branches. This is how we celebrate Palm Sunday, if you've been in church for that. Um, and they start, everyone just starts yelling out, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And, and, and they're, just, they're just giving him all this praise. As a matter of fact, I wrote down, what are the Pharisees said? The Pharisees said to one another, See? This is getting us nowhere. 
look how the whole world has gone after him. They're like whining and complaining. And so, so if you want to bring it into like everyday terms, pick whatever your political party is. Just imagine that in your mind. And imagine you, the, the poll results come out. They're going to, the, the, the election's in two days, and your candidate is up by like 42 points. You're just like, done, done. Like I'm like winning, okay? So like Jesus is winning at this point. His, his ministry is jamming. So then the Bible tells us a bunch of Greeks come and want to talk to Jesus. So now he's, he's totally um, uh, going past cultural barriers and all this kind of stuff. Everybody wants to talk to Jesus. His ministry is jamming. So these Greeks come. And they ask the disciples, hey, can we talk to Jesus? And I don't know why the Bible says it, but one guy talks to another guy who talks to another guy. And then so finally word gets to Jesus. These Greeks want to talk to you. Um, not geeks. Greeks. Okay. Yeah. So here's what Jesus says. He says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. How do you think? Ah, I'll bet it has. You're riding in on a donkey. Everyone's chanting your name. You got... Greek people wanting to talk to you, you know. You've just been anointed with this super expensive perfume and all this kind of stuff. You just raised somebody from the dead. You know, this is the hour for you to be glorified. That makes a lot of sense. But what comes out of his mouth next, I think, is one of the biggest keys for us as we move into 2015. That as we look at kind of those things in our lives that are holding us back, and we, we look at, man, you know, in, in some places in our lives, maybe we're just about ready to, like, this is great. Our career's never been better or whatever, but there's just this one lagging thing. Maybe your marriage has never been better, but there's this one lagging thing. He says this. Truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. In other words, a lot of life. Now, the scripture like this, the tendency is to, you know, you, Jesus wasn't talking about your particular debt or whatever we, we've been talking about. What he's talking about is a kingdom principle that in order to experience the life that God has for you, there is a part of you that's going to have to die. For some of us, it's been this process throughout our whole lives. And we can look back at different areas and go, man, I remember when that was... I had to kill that off, and now look at the result and this and that. And so Jesus says the same thing. It produces many seeds. It produces life. And even as I look around and just kind of know our, our different stories, there are some people who are sitting here in your marriage right now. You cannot even believe you're still sitting together. Because something happened. One person died to themselves or both people died to themselves. And all of a sudden, over time, new life began to spring up in that marriage. And there's been hope ever since. For some of you, you can look back at a, a certain habit. Maybe you went to recovery or maybe, maybe you had something that it was... A, that it was, you know, kind of that drastic where you just had to get away for a couple of weeks and get into professional care or whatever. But you look back now, maybe that's five, ten years ago, and you look at the life you have now and you just say, I cannot believe that I was caught up in that stuff. Because while it remained the thing, it just remained the thing. But when it died, life sprung up that you had no idea was even possible. 
And here's, this is really the problem when we get into this idea. All we can see is what it's going to cost us. The death part, right? I mean, I mean, if you're looking in a relationship and forgiveness means you have to let them off the hook, that is costly. That, it seems like it costs quite a bit, doesn't it? I'm not letting them off the hook for what they did. They owe me. I can't get my childhood back. I can't get this past relationship back. I'm carrying baggage that they attached on me. I've been dragging it around for decades. I'm not just going to let them off the hook. That costs too much. And your heavenly father is up there going, you have no idea the life I want to produce in you if you would just let that die. For some of you, 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 you have a habit and you're thinking, I can't cope without that habit. I can't get through life without that habit. I can't even get through the day without that habit. Pick whatever habit you want to pick. <laughs> And, and, and you're sitting there going, I just can't see myself without that. And your Heavenly Father is going, oh, you wouldn't even recognize yourself without it. What I want to do in you. And Jesus is saying this, look, unless, unless that thing dies, it just remains the thing. You got to let it go. He goes on, and he kind of explains it a little bit. He says, whoever loves their life will lose it. In other words, if you're trying to just save these little areas, okay, you're going to miss out on most of what's going on. If you find your identity in something and you're not willing to let it go, and it's almost like Jesus is saying, look, if you want to like just hang on to your life the way it is now, go ahead. You're going to miss out on a lot of stuff. But if you're willing to lose what you have right now, it says you'll keep it for eternal life and again this is not just eternal life buried in the ground going on this is this is the life the bible talks about about having a life and having it more abundantly it's about having being filled with the fruit of the spirit okay love and joy and peace and patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control all these types of things but some things have to die he moves on and kind of explains himself even further. and says, whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, that servant, uh, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. And Jesus gets about as personal as, as you'll see him get. Like of how, how real this is. He says, now my soul is troubled. Well, what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? Yes. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Now look, here's the thing. For Jesus, he's actually talking about dying on the cross. Okay? So, so for him, how God, and again, we talked about this before, he is God, and he's, you know, all this thing, we did that through our Christmas thing. It's kind of hard to wrap your head around. But, but he was fully man, and he fully understood what this is going to cost him. That to follow through with what God had called him to do was going to cost him his life. And he's like, should I be rescued from this? No. This is what I got to do. And for some of you, you have a habit or something you wish you could just push a button and have it be done. You wish you could just say a prayer and you've probably said that prayer. God, just Remove it from me. Why, why, why do I even struggle with this? Why wouldn't you just 
take it from me. Why, wouldn't, why, wouldn't, why, why can't you just make it so that I just don't like chocolate? You know, I don't know. I picked a small one. All right. Insert your thing where chocolate was. Okay. Right? right? We just want to press the button. It's, it's Jesus is like, do I just press? I just, do I just say, Father, just put, take it away? No. Uh-uh. I got to go through this. In the dying process begins the life. Thank you.